define the Antichrist? It's the Antichrist. Um, someone who is against Christ. <laughs> he's supposed to be like really good at first, but then you find out he's got really bad intentions behind all of his good stuff. Define the Antichrist. I don't know that either. No, huh? Wouldn't know where to begin. Um, I think he's the evil incarnation of Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess if you read your Bible, it's whatever the Bible says, and you look for those traits, and basically you go that route. A lot of people do not know who the Antichrist is. Tonight, you're going to be able to say, I have seen from the Bible who the Antichrist power, the beast of Revelation 13, and the little horn, or exceeding great horn, of Daniel chapter 7 is. Let's, let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, we are here together. We're about to listen to your word and decipher it using itself to interpret itself and just look at it, taking it for face value, understanding the words as we have been given the mind to do. And Lord, if we don't have the spiritual mind, blessed with the Spirit of God, we cannot understand these things. So I beg you to please teach us. May the angels be here. We thank you for giving us the word in a free country where we can share together. We know according to the Bible it's not always going to be this way, but now it is. While it is light, help us to work, for the night cometh where no man can work, as Jesus said. So Lord, bless us with the light now, and we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, the Antichrist, he's going to be a worldwide political power. What does the Bible say about that? We read here in <coughs> Revelation chapter 18, verse 3. And actually, by the way, most of these things are going to actually be by way of review. But we're going to put the points together and we're going to find out exactly who the Antichrist is. And I believe just about everybody in this room is going to be able to say, I know exactly who it is. We read here in Revelation 18, 3. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. So this is a power that even the kings of the earth, the different nations, it's not going to be the nation, you know, joined up with this power, but it's the nations. The Bible says all nations, actually, or every kindred, every people, kindred, tongue, and nation are going to go after this power. So it's a worldwide political power. Mm -hmm. Okay, what else is it according to the Bible? It says it is a worldwide religious power. Read that one for us too, please. It says in Revelation 13, 8, And all that dwell upon the earth, so all that dwell upon the earth, shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of, the, of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So what's happening here is that all those who dwell upon the earth are going to follow and worship this beast system. So it is not only a political power, but it is a religious system. Now we're going to put out about five points in the beginning. And then we're going to add in some of the other points that we've looked at. But we're going to look at five points. If you were to try to guess with all maybe 13 points we're going to look at, if you were to guess, you know, just see all 13 points and say, wow, I know who it is. You'd probably either have to be a historian or a theologian. But what we're going to do is we're going to take five of the points that pretty much every person in this room is going to know, and then you are going to tell us who this Antichrist is. Our first two is that it would be a religious power. Secondarily, it would be a political power. So how many religious powers in this world are worldwide? There's only a few, but we're going to look at a little bit more. Okay, it also, 
this power would rise up from Europe. There's a picture, thanks to Google Maps, of the European area there. It says in Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8, a fourth beast, we know the beast is a kingdom, had ten horns. We know those horns were kings or kingdoms. And behold, there came up among them another little horn. Now, over here, Chad, I'm not among the congregation. No. But if I ran down past the camera there and I stood there, I would be among the congregation. That's what it's talking about here in our basic language. It comes up among them. Among who? Among the divided Roman Empire or Western Europe. Okay, so it, we continue on. It would claim to forgive sin. Now, how do we know that? The Bible says in Revelation 13, 5, there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. How do we know that uh, that means that it would claim to forgive sin? We already saw in Mark chapter 2, verse 7, that as they were watching, Jesus had just healed a man. And before he healed him, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But the Pharisee, or the, uh, the religious leaders of the time, they said, How can thus this man forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God only? This man is speaking blasphemies. So to claim that you can forgive sins, according to the Bible, is blasphemous. It's a blasphemy. So we've already seen a few of the points. As a man. As a man, as a human being. But Jesus was God, so he could forgive sins. Now, what we see here is that this is a worldwide religious power. How many worldwide religious powers rose up in Europe? Probably about one. It's a worldwide religious power that rose up in Europe, and now also they claim to what? Forgive sin. To forgive sin. But it's not just a worldwide religious power. It's a worldwide, it's a worldwide political. religious political power. Exactly. That rose up in Europe that claims to forgive sin. Exactly. You see, if you take just a couple of the points there from the scripture, you start realizing like, wow, I see it. If you know your, your history, if you know, if you know the world around you, you've probably got it in your mind at this point. Question is, who is it? Chad, help us out. Who is it? Now, we're going to go over it just a couple more times. This is simple. We're only looking at a few points. But just, just think back in the world. How many worldwide religions are there? What, when you think of the most popular worldwide religions, what are they? Don't yell them out, but just think in your mind. So you have a worldwide religion, a religion basically that has it's, it's, it's all over the world. A worldwide religious power that's also political. A worldwide religious power that's political that rose up in Europe. This is literally, this is a funnel that's now come almost to a point because there's really just about one power that would fit these points. But now this is a worldwide religious power that's also political that rose up in Europe that has people in this church that claim that they can what? Forgive, sin. Forgive sins. Now I'm going to say it one more time at the expense of being extremely redundant. I'm going to say it again. This is a worldwide religious power. It's a worldwide religion that is also political, that rose up in Europe, that has people in this church that claim that you can come to them for forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't tell anybody. Don't whisper it in the ear of the person next to you. But if you think you know who this power is, don't tell anybody, but if you think you know who this power is by these characteristics, I want you to just raise your hand for a moment. If you think you know who it is by these characteristics, just raise your hand. Okay. It's almost everybody. That's almost everybody. But I have heard it said that in any given audience, 10 to 15% of the people will not raise their hand for anything. Yeah. <laughs> So, just about everybody, there may be a few, but just about everybody in this room 
know who this power is. Now, have I told you yet? Just about as good as. We've looked at the points. But now what we're going to do is, I'm not going to tell you, Daniel's not going to do that. Because if you do that, if I tell you who it is, you'll say, well, that's that kid's opinion. Right? But if I don't tell you and you tell me, then we'll know that's exactly what the Bible says. Because we can see it's that clear. So what I'm going to do, instead of you whispering it in your neighbor's ear, or me whispering it to the crowd or whatever, on the count of three, I want you to just say who it is. Out loud. Alright? You're going to do that? Why are we laughing? <laughs> alright, on the count of three, don't just laugh, actually let it out, alright? On the count of three, tell me who is the Antichrist, alright? One, two, three. It sounded like everybody said the same thing. I heard about the exact same thing. Let's continue. Let's continue. It says right there, it's a worldwide political power. It is a worldwide religious power. Let's see what happens here as we look at Google. I'm sorry, as we go on to adherence.com. You look up the religious bodies and the adherence of these religious bodies. You've got the number one largest church is the Catholic Church. Under them is Sunni Islam. There's Eastern Orthodox Church. There's, I don't know how to say it, Jinja Honko, Honko. <laughs> Angel, uh, the Anglican Communion, the Assemblies of God, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, the Evangelical Church of Deutschland, the uh, Church of Christ, which is in the Philippines, uh, Sikhism, Jew, uh, North Korea Church, Seventh-day Adventist Church, Jehovah's Witness, Southern Baptist Convention, Church of the Latter-day Saints, the United Methodist Church, and you can see which is the largest one there, uh, the Catholic Church. It would rise up out of Europe. Did the, you guys all said it now, Rome, Roman Catholic Church, did the Roman Catholic Church rise up out of Europe? Okay, if you go to the next slide, you'll, thanks to Google Maps there, you can focus in right there into Europe and you can see a little boot. What is that little boot? Well, we call that what? Italy. Italy. You see that little marker there? If you tap it into Google Maps there, it, it really focuses you down because once you do, or Google Earth, not Google Maps, but Google Earth, what I did is, you'll see right over here, in fact, I'm going to point to it, right here. International borders, okay, I checked that one, and nothing else. The international border gives you this yellow sign that goes all the way around what? The Vatican, okay, so it's an international border. If I were to click that off, the international border, the yellow line around it would be gone. Now, the next thing I clicked was country names. And what country name came up when I clicked it? The Holy See or the Vatican. You click those two, two things off, you wouldn't see anything there, but you put those two things, an international border or a country name, and you have the surrounding of the Vatican, the Holy See, as the name did of you, the country. Did you ever realize how small this country is? I mean, look at this. I, I, I've read that it's something like uh, 44 acres, 42 acres. I mean, this is a whole country. I mean, we have, we have farms out in the United States with probably thousands of acres, but this whole country has something like 42 acres or 40-some acres, one of the smallest countries in the world. So far, it's a religious, political power. It's worldwide, and it has come up out of Europe. That's right. Okay, so let's go to the next one. It would claim to forgive sin. What's the deal there? Well, once again, the papacy does claim that it has men in its church that can forgive sins. Not only that they can, but that you have to go to them for forgiveness of sins. Let's check it out. The Bible says... Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, that God says, Whatsoever sins you remit, they will be remitted unto men. Whatsoever sins you, uh, what is that? Uh, I don't remember, but you can read it there in Matthew 16. They use that as one of their strengths for their priest being able to con uh, forgive sins. And this is what this objector says 
uh, hey, listen, it's not true that the Bible says that. And the Catholic objector says, well, yes, you're absolutely right. But Christ changed his mind, and they use Matthew chapter 16. We're going to continue, and I'll read something from you. If you go to the Catholic Encyclopedia, and you look up the word priest, it says right here, underlined or highlighted, by his priestly ordination, he receives the power to offer sacrifice, i.e., to celebrate the Eucharist, comma, to forgive sins. This is talking about the priest, okay? So in their encyclopedia, they're saying it pretty plainly. Would you read the next one for us? Yes, we read here, speaking of penance. Well, what is penance? In the Catholic Encyclopedia. Penance is a sacrament of the new, test, the new law instituted by Christ in which forgiveness of sins committed after baptism is granted through the priest's absolution. Now, if that means the high priest Jesus Christ, as we read about in Hebrews, oh yeah, I would agree with that, right? The, the only way okay, that you can amen. have your sins forgiven is by the priest, Jesus Christ, our high priest. But is that what the Catholic Church is talking about? It sounds to me like uh, in Revelation, cha- I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 8, that the little horn would, would exalt itself in the place of Christ and would take some of the attributes upon itself. And so they're actually claiming that you don't go to Jesus directly for your sins. You have to go to a priest in order to have your sins forgiven. This right here is the Converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. Actual book. I bought this at a Catholic bookstore because I had heard of it. I went to the Catholic bookstore, asked them if they could get it for me. And it says right in here on page 103, it says this same Catholic faith outside of which nobody can be saved. Now, the Catholic Church says that no one can be saved if you're a Protestant. If you go to any other church, if you go to the you know, Christian church down the road, you're, you cannot be saved in your church, according to the Roman Catholic Catechism. Now, right here it says, through the priest's absolution, you can receive forgiveness of sin. Let's look at what absolution means. In again, the Catholic Encyclopedia, looking up absolution. Absolution is the remission of sin or the punishment due to sin granted by the what? Jesus Christ? By the church. Now listen, that is blasphemous, is it not? That's what the Bible defined in Mark chapter 2, blasphemy. No way. Now, Chad, does that mean that there are people in the church, I mean, anybody in the Catholic church, if you're a member, you're going straight to hell? No, that's not what it means. There are many Christian, sincere Catholic people. God has people in all churches, I believe. God has one Amen. truth. That much I do believe. But God has people who have been raised up in this church or even have been converts to this church who don't necessarily know all the truth. And if you remember, we read in Acts chapter 17 that at the times of this ignorance, God winks at. So when we're ignorant, when we're not knowledgeable of the fact that, that there is more to know, that actually you don't have to go directly to a priest for forgiveness of sins, the Bible says if you're following God in, in the respects, maybe with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength, you're following God sincerely. But the reality is, remember, it goes on to say that at the times of this ignorance, God winks at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. repent. So when we know the truth, we don't hold on to the false teachings we've had in the past. We say, okay, this is what I believe maybe all my life. This has been my tradition. But now I'm going to go forward in the truth that Jesus Christ has for me. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 17 that this, this woman, uh, we know that the woman represents a church in Bible prophecy. There's a woman sitting upon a beast, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great. Anybody know how to finish it? The The mother mother of harlots. harlots. So this woman, the church, has daughters. If you don't know who those daughters are, you better start coming next week. Next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, because we're going to learn about those daughters. Because these things are so important, they affect every one of us. They affect every one of us. 
not just the Catholics, you see. So we've got to come and understand what the Bible is teaching about this absolutely uh, monstrous truth, the Antichrist. Let's continue here. You know, we didn't look at this as one of the clarifying marks or identifying points, but it would claim to be God. It would actually claim that it has someone in this church that claims to be God. Now, you may be saying, that's not true. The Roman Catholic Church, and many even Catholics would not know this point. This is a book right here called Crossing the Threshold of Hope. It says, by His Holiness, Pope John Paul, actually just says John Paul II. Now, this was written, I believe, in the year 2003, so this isn't very old. Now, this John Paul is probably one of the most loved popes, probably one of the most popular popes, and Daniel told me he's the most traveled pope of all time. And many people really looked up to this man, but some of his doctrines were just plain, well, unbiblical, and actually even worse. Read what he says, or at least you can follow along on the screen. I have it here on page 3 of his book that John Paul II wrote. Confronted with the pope, one must make a choice. The leader of the Catholic Church is defined by the faith as the vicar of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Basically, that means the one that takes the place of Jesus. But you don't have to believe me. It'll tell you that in just a moment. And is accepted as such by believers. The Pope is considered the man on earth who represents the Son of God. If we stopped right there, that would look okay. That the Pope is the man man on earth who represents God. Now, I hope Daniel should represent Jesus. I hope that all of you will represent Jesus to the world around you. But does that mean you are Jesus? No, it does not. But notice what the Pope says. It says there, starting beginning of that sentence again, the Pope is considered the man on earth who represents the Son of God, who takes the place of the second person of the omnipotent God of the Trinity. Now, wait a minute. I've got a question here. When, when Pope John Paul was writing that, and he put parentheses there, did he make a, a, a mistake? Yeah, and he wrote, he made those parentheses, or at least they were in the original. I didn't, I didn't add those into this quote here. Was that a mistake? It was not a mistake. The reality is this. When, when someone in the Roman Catholic Church, or at least someone, if they're going to write a book like this, they actually, they have, uh, they have other people in the church seeking to find out for sure that this is the actual teaching, that it is doctrinally correct. It's not as if I maybe wrote a book and said, hey, Daniel, check it out. And he says, oh, that's good. And, and some how it gets out to the public, and I made a major blunder in the book. No, it is searched by, I can guarantee, many people to make sure that this book is doctrinally correct, and this is doctrinal truth of the Roman Catholic Church, which, even though many Catholics probably would not know, that the Pope actually claims to take the place of Jesus Christ here on earth. As I was putting this study together, I went through Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, and Revelation 13, and I looked up all the different uh, identifying points of the Bible showing us who the Antichrist is. Now, realize... The Antichrist is the devil himself using powers on this earth. At this time, the Bible is describing that the Antichrist, the devil himself, is using or giving authority and power and seat to the Roman Catholic system. Which is the Antichrist power. Which is the Antichrist, the beast power, the little horn system. Now, check it out. There, this harlot woman, as if you read Revelation chapter 17, talking about the same exact thing, she has daughters. We're going to learn about that next time. I can't emphasize that enough. It's extraordinarily important. But as I was putting this together, I found 24 different points in those three chapters, okay? We're going to look at 13 right now, just over half of them. And what you can do is go to chicagooutpost.com, click the picture there in the center that says, Daniel Mason, Chad Cruiser premiering the Antichrist, the one you've never known. And once you click that, you'll see where you can get the PDFs of this if you don't get the one tonight, but I'm saying this because people are going to be listening on the internet as well, and they need to hear that they can download this message and the notes thereof. So we're going to be looking at the first one. What is it, Chad? Number one. 
we see that, number one, it is a little horn or a little kingdom. Well, is, is the Vatican a little kingdom? Yes, it's probably one of the littlest kingdoms or the smallest kingdoms on the planet. Now, the next one, it has three horns that were plucked up or fell or were subdued by it as it was coming into power. You see, there was, there was ten kings or ten horns that came up out of Rome, the fourth beast. And while this little horn, the Antichrist or Roman system, when it was coming up, it tore up three kingdoms while it was coming up. Is that true? Yes, they were the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, and the Heruli. The papacy basically plucked, the, plucked these kingdoms up as it came to power. Okay, the next one, go ahead. Number three, it says it had eyes like the eyes of a man, and it had a man's understanding. Now, we've already looked at this, that the papacy, didn't, it, it did not have God's vision or God's sight, but that it actually uses the mindset of man. Rather, Now, what does Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 say? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says it's basically God, uh, Paul pleading for the Ephesians church, uh, the Ephesus church, that they would have the eyes of their understanding enlightened. The eyes of their understanding Okay, so if they have the eyes like the eyes of a man, they're understanding man-type understanding. Basically, what the Bible is teaching here is they're not using the Scripture or God's authority to lead them. There, you could say today it's called tradition. Mm -hmm. Tradition is a very big word in this church that we're talking about. Let's go to the next one here. Number four, it says, It would have a mouth speaking great things, words against the Most High, or blasphemies. Now, that's taken from uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, verse 25, or Revelation 13, verse 7. We know that blasphemies, according to Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 27, is transgression or trespassing against God. What's another definition there in the Bible of blasphemy? We saw in, Matthew, or in Mark chapter 2, verse 7, that blasphemy is claiming to be able to forgive Sins And this Catholic Church we've already seen does claim to forgive sins. And John chapter 10, verse 30 through 33, talks about how a man, Jesus, according to the Pharisees, thinking that he was only a man, they were saying he was committing blasphemy because he claimed to be God. He said, I and the Father are one. And so we know that they're committing all of these blasphemies, blasphemies defined by the Bible. Okay, pick it up in the next one, number five. We read the same horn, the Antichrist, power made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Now Daniel, is it true that the Roman Catholic Church has actually persecuted the saints or God's people in earth's history? According to uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, page 43, this book, by the way, defines the, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic system as the Antichrist power, Revelation 13. Notice what it says here about some of the persecutions that were done under an area called Papal Persecutions on page 43. Fox's Book of Martyrs says, Thus far, our history of persecution has been confined principally to the pagan world. We come now to a period when persecution, under the guise of Christianity, committed more enormities than ever disgraced the annals of paganism. If you read that book, by the way, you'll know what he's talking about. It's absolutely disgusting. Disregarding the maxims and the spirit of the gospel, the papal church, arming herself with the power of the sword, vexed the church of God and wasted it for several centuries. A period most appropriately termed in the history the Dark Ages. Dark because there was no light. They took the Bibles away from the people. And that's why it was so overwhelmingly accepted that they were the truth because nobody knew having the word of God in their, in their hands. The kings of the earth gave their power to the beast and submitted to be trodden on by the miserable vermin that often filled the papal chair as in the case of Henry, Emperor of Germany. 
the storm of papal persecution first burst upon the Waldenses in France. Fox's Book of Martyrs, page 43. According to this very, very authoritative documentary, the papal system persecuted largely and did it under the guise of Christianity. You know, one of the things that many times, if you meet people across the world, a lot of times there's a lot of confusion. You meet people across the world and they think of Christianity as this system. And they look back through history and they say, look at the evil deeds committed by Christianity through history. But the vast majority of those evil deeds were committed by this institution that wasn't doing it actually. They may have been doing it in the name or what they called the name of Christ, but it had nothing to do with Christ himself. It was a great deception. It's led many people away from the truth as a result. It's called a kingdom. Another kingdom shall arise. It is a political power. There's no question we've already looked at that. Go ahead. Number seven, we read, it would come up after the ten divided kingdoms of Rome. And that is true. Remember, it plucked up three of those ten kingdoms. So clearly, we meet our seventh point. Number eight. And number eight, it says it would be diverse or different from the other ten horns. The other ten horns that came up, Switzerland and France and Germany, etc. All those places were not religious. But this one was religious. Therefore, it was diverse. It was different. Go on to number nine. Number nine, we read, it would think to change times and laws. Now, this is very clear. I could, if you're, you're welcome to come up and look at these books afterward, the Converse Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. If you look at it, the first commandment according to the Bible is that you shall have no other gods. In Exodus chapter 20, you shall have no other gods before me, the Bible says, before the God of heaven. And then it says what? The second commandment, does anybody know what the second commandment is according to the Bible? You shall not make any, any graven images nor bow down yourself to them. Not to have any idols. But if you read in the Roman Catholic Catechism, not in their Bible, but in the Roman Catholic Catechism, you'll see that the second commandment is actually, you shall not blaspheme the name of your Lord. Which Pick is what commandment, A.D.? The third commandment. According to the King James, it is. According to the Bible, it's the third commandment. But according to the King James, or, or not the King James, the Converse Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, the second commandment is removed. It says they would think to change times and laws. Could you actually change God law, God's laws, yes or no? No. You can't change God's laws. You could only think that you could. You could write it down and you could teach people that the law of God has been changed. But it's not a reality. So they would think to do that. We're going to be looking more into that in an upcoming evening. Actually, just to clarify real quick. They made sure that it still looks as if you have ten commandments. So what they did was they took the last commandment about coveting. And they cut it in two so it still looks like they have ten commandments. Okay, number 10. It would rule over God's people for a time and times in the dividing of time. The same period found in Daniel chapter 7, verse, or 12, verse 7, Revelation 11, 2, and 3, 12, verses 6, and 14, and then 13, verse 5. Again, those times are either 42 months, a time, time, and time, times, and a half a time, or dividing of time, and then also 1260 days. Now, right. did it rule for 1260 days in Bible prophecy equaling years? Yes, it actually did. The papal power actually came to a political power. Now, the, the power of the papacy was around before that, but it came around to its political power in the year 538 A.D. And if you jump in the future exactly 1,260 years, what date does that bring us to? 1798. You know what happened at that time? I do. Go ahead. All right, I'll tell you. Basically, what happened is Berthier, the general of a man by the name of Napoleon. I had a dream about 
Napoleon last night. So, but that's totally beside the point. <laughs> Don't tell us, brother. Keep going. I'm not going to tell you. But Thanks. nevertheless, I woke up in the middle of the night and told my wife about it. At least I, I, I said, who do I look like? And I told her I'm a Napoleon. I don't know. But <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going with the Sorry, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> so nevertheless, so Berthier sends his general, or no, Napoleon sends his general Berthier into the Vatican. They pull the Pope off the throne. Declared and it a republic. They declared it a republic at that time. And the reality is this. That was what historians, at least, it was, it was, was it newspapers or historians called it? They would call this the deadly wound. The papacy received its deadly wound. And so you say, who cares then, right? We don't really have to care anymore because that was in 1798. It's the year 2007, and it doesn't matter anymore, right? Well, according to 1929, when I remember they were talking about the deadly wound being healed. That's what I was referring to. I'm sorry. The, the deadly wound being healed was the issue. The deadly wound has been healed. That's right. You see, they, they are now entering into their second phase of biblical prophecy there, and they are taking over the world again. You can look around, and it doesn't take very long to see that they have a very strong influence. And the Bible says that there's going to come a time where once again all the world is going to wander after the beast. So this is something that is going to take place. This is, you can say, well, I'm a, I, I go to the church down the road. I'm, I'm safe. I don't have to worry about it because I'm not a part of that institution. Remember, it doesn't say parts of the world are going to follow this power. It says all the world is going to wander after the beast unless we know the truth and follow it. Absolutely. Number 11. Go ahead, brother. It says, number 11, it would magnify himself even to the prince of hosts. Wow, what, what was this saying? I think it means that being down here on the earth, it, it comes up here and says, you don't need this guy, Jesus, you need me. I'll forgive your sins. I'll take care of you. I'll give you his bread anytime I want to or his flesh. I'll give you his wine, uh, the transubstantiation and the, the everything. And basically the next point here that I'd like to make from number 12 is, oh, you know what? I, I forgot about this. John Wycliffe in England... Martin Luther in Germany, John Calvin in France, John Knox in Scotland, Ulrich Zwingli in Switzerland. These people, the reformers of the Dark Ages coming out in the Reformation, all preached that the Roman papacy was the beast power of Revelation 13 or the little horn of Daniel 7. Interesting. So we see here that the major reformers of history all believed what we're teaching. And the reality is the Methodist church used to teach this. The Baptist church used to teach this. The Lutheran church used to teach this. Martin Luther was very clear. He knew exactly what this is. The leaders of these churches had studied their Bibles. It was so crystal clear they knew the truth about this. And also the Calvinists. I was formerly a Calvinist in the Christian Reformed Church. And the Calvinists used to teach these things. But something's happened. Something has changed. Now, you may be wondering, okay, if, if the Methodists used to teach it, and, and, and they don't, by and large, the Methodists don't teach it anymore, if that is the case, do you think something's going on? You better believe it. Something is happening. Now, if the Baptists used to teach this by and large, and now they have this new theology, a new idea about, well, the Antichrist is way off in the future, do you think something's happening throughout Christianity? The fact is, something is happening. Also, the Lutherans and the Calvinists, what's happening? Something's happening. And we are going to find out within the upcoming meetings that some major events have taken place in the history of Christianity and change people and turn them away from the teachings of the Protestant Reformation and back into the deception of the Dark Ages. Number 12. It says, By it, quoting Daniel, or yes, Daniel chapter 8, verse 11, the place of God's sanctuary was cast down. Okay? Now, if God's sanctuary was cast down from heaven by this power after it exalted itself up to Christ... What would it look like on the earth if it was cast down from this power? Well, it would look probably pretty similar to that which is in heaven. There would be very large temples or sanctuaries. 
There would be pictures of angels on the walls. There would be uh, candles and, and incense. There would be priests. There would be very beautiful garbs like Jesus wears as he's doing his ministry. There would be uh, the, the bread. There would be the wine. It just seems like they're, they're so similar. The problem is, down here, it's dirty. It's not holy. It's not God's. What's the next one, brother? Our final point we read here. It casts down the truth to the ground. This church very clearly for centuries has cast the truth of the word of God in the dust. You can speak with folks or maybe speak folks here who have gone to the Catholic Church have kneeled before the priest. You know what? Jesus Christ can forgive. Yes. Jesus can forgive. He's not looking down. He's not pointing the finger at anybody who's done this. He's saying, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, <clears throat> you don't have to go to the man on earth and ask him for forgiveness, for he can do nothing. Amen. <clears throat> but you can come directly to the Savior. Jesus Christ, to find peace, to find hope. Now you may be wondering, you may be thinking, this sounds so harsh, Chad. Why would God say such mean things in the Bible and cast these things out before the, before the world and tell the Catholics of, that their church is the actual antichrist system of Bible prophecy? Isn't this harsh? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, unto every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven, earth, seas, and the fountains of waters. And the last day there will be a message that goes with a loud voice. Sometimes we think of loud voices. We've come down to a time in earth's history where punishment is something that many people think is evil, but biblically, it is many times done in love. Now to close, I was one time playing ball with my little sister in the yard. I was a little boy at the time, maybe six, seven years old. My little sister, she was maybe three, four years old. We were rolling a ball back and forth between us, and as we were rolling this ball, the ball rolled down into the road. My little sister, just like most little children, would do not thinking ran out after that ball. And as she was running out after the ball, there was a truck, unbeknown to her, she was, this truck was barreling down the road, and as it was coming down the road, my mom, as good moms do, has her eyes on her children, and as she's watching, she sees my little sister, and she screams out, my sister's name was Nicole, we call her Nikki. My mom screamed out, Nikki! And when my mom screamed that, she screamed it loud. And I looked at my mom when she screamed that, and the thought went through my mind, why is my mom so angry? Now, was that a scream of anger, Daniel? No way. It was a scream of love. It was a scream of love. Sometimes we don't understand that the voice of God that sometimes to us looks harsh and looks scary, actually it's a voice of love coming to you. Saying, I want to free you from things that you didn't, even, you didn't even know were a bondage to you, but I want to bring you up. I want to bring you to peace and happiness. And I want to bring you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. God wants to pull those who are in this institution out and bring them into the freedom that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ and in His Word. That we can put away all the traditions and we can say if it's in the Bible, as a Bible-believing Christian, then I'll believe it. But if it's not there, then I'll put it aside. Is there someone here tonight who would like to say, I don't care what church you're in, whether you're a Catholic, 
Whether you're an atheist, whether you're a, a, you know, in the Christian Reformed Church or in the Baptist Church, it doesn't matter. If you say, I want to believe in the Bible and I want to follow what the Bible says, no matter what it is, would you just stand with us now as we pray? Amen. 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 Friends, let's bow our heads. Great God and Heavenly Father, ruler of all things. A great deception has taken over the planet. And even now, many may be thinking, well, I'm not a part of this church, so I'm not deceived, Lord. And yet this church has laid its roots to not nearly every single church on the planet. Mm-hmm. Lord, we need your truth. We need to let go of traditions. We need to let go of anything that's false or fake. We need to get back to the book, the Bible. Lord, help us to have the spirit of John Kelvin, John Wesley, John Knox, Martin Luther. That spirit of reformation, although they didn't know all the truth at the time, they were coming out of such a great darkness, but they wanted to know more. Lord, give us that spirit of desire for the truth. Lord, implant within us the desire for what is true because we know Jesus told us that the truth would set us free. And if we are in Christ, we will be free indeed. Lord, I thank you that you give us this message as a message of hope, a message of freedom, a message that breaks away the chains of man's tradition and man's religion and going to a priest for forgiveness of sins. But you show us that Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is our only mediator. He is our great God. Lord, we need you more than ever before because, Lord, the deceptions I know from studying these things are greater than, well, really any of us in this room know tonight. Lord, change us, prepare us next weekend as we come back for messages that may be even more challenging and more convicting and, well, Lord, some of even more disturbing than what we've seen this week. But, Lord, I thank you that you give us a hope. Beyond all of the deception, you give us the last chapter of Revelation where we see we can be in the kingdom. And and in Revelation chapter 21, we see there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Lord, may we be ready for that time in the name of Jesus Christ, my great God and Savior. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.